a dad when my kids were quite a bit younger uh, that I had, I, I, yeah, I sometimes made promises that I didn't deliver on. Just confessing, okay? So I would often say, you know, uh, when we get this finished, when this is all done, then we'll have ice cream. Then we'll buy ice cream, yeah? That's an easy promise to make. But you know, when we got everything done hours later, I'd forgotten all about the ice cream. But who knows that a five or six-year-old never forgets about ice cream. And the kids would come and say, Dad, you promised, you promised ice cream. It's like, oh, no. I'm sure I'm not the only father here who's kind of made those kind of promises. It's so easy to forget when things move on what we actually promised to, to do. But I want to say to you that God, our Heavenly Father, doesn't forget his promises. He does not forget his promises. He doesn't waste his breath. When he promises something, he intends to fulfill that promise. And so often, uh, we can be unsure because when something is promised but we don't see it happen, we find ourselves in the gap between the promise and the fulfillment. And we can often doubt, we can often question and wonder if we've done something wrong or if God has forgotten. I remember over 18 years ago now when we, as a, uh, with our kids who are ever so young, and we moved out to Austria as missionaries working out there. And we'd been in Austria for about a, year, uh, a month and a half. And I can remember one day lying on my bed, because that's where I go to escape the world. <laughs> I was lying on my bed. And we had spent a year just raising finance, getting sponsorships so we could do this missions work. But I'd found out that the information I had about the tax and the health insurance was wrong. And there was a huge difference in what we were raised, what we'd raised to live on and what was going to be needed. And I can remember lying there thinking, God, you told us to come, but now this isn't working. You, we, we, we did what we felt you told us to do, but somehow this isn't working out. I don't know if you've ever been in that situation where you think, well, did I hear rightly? Did God really say that? Have I done something wrong? Was it just my idea? And so you go through all these thoughts and uncertainty. You see, we want to talk about mind the gap this week, and that's the gap between the promise and the fulfillment. The promise and the fulfillment. Now, if you look in the book of Romans in chapter 4, we read these words, verse 18, speaking of Abraham. It says, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed, and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Now, those of you who are not, maybe not familiar with the story of Abraham, Abraham received a promise for God that we read about in Genesis chapter 12. And this promise from God was a huge promise. In chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Go from your country, your people, your father's household, to the land I will show you. And so Abraham receives this command from God to go. And when God tells us to do something, we like to know what that looks like, don't we? We'd like to know that it's all wrapped up with a bow and it's good when we get there. But Abraham didn't know that. He was simply told to go. And when he asked where, he said, where I show you. I said, well, yeah, it's like a game, isn't it? So where I show you? Well, where I lead you? Well, where is that? Well, you're going to find out if you follow me. So Abraham goes. And in verse 2, it says, I will make you into a great nation. 
and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. This is a big promise. This is a big promise. I will bless you and make you a blessing because you are going to become a great nation. Now, Abraham and Sarah were not called to become a great nation by getting all their friends together. When it says this, it means that he was to have children and they would become a great nation. Now, some of you know the story. Abraham, when he receives this promise, is 75 years old. That's, that's a difficult promise. Agreed? That's, that's like, that's awesome, but also impossible. <laughs> that's not going to happen. And you see, it, it, the scripture tells us that Abraham had to journey 25 years to see the promise fulfilled. So he was in that gap between the promise and the fulfillment for quite some time. And if you're in that gap today, between what God has promised and the fulfillment of that promise, you're in good company. If you look in the scriptures, you'll find there's Joseph waited 13 years for his dreams to come true. Moses had to wait 40 years to get on with what God had told him he would be getting on with. Jesus didn't start until he was 30. Paul, the apostle, had to wait three years. You think, oh, that's, that's, he didn't do too, too bad, did he? Three years. Listen, I know when some of you get a promise and you're told it, it takes three years... Some of us go off the idea, right? Seriously? Go wait three years? Do you know how long three years is? Abraham and Sarah, it was 25 years. So how do we, what do we do when we're in the gap? What do we do when we're in the gap between what God has promised and the fulfillment of that promise? Well, let's stay in Romans 4. If we go on to verse 19, it says, Without weakening his faith, He faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. The first point is simply this today. Face the facts. Sometimes you may have got the impression from Christians that we don't like facts. We ignore the facts and just trust Jesus. No, 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 no. The Bible tells you to face the facts. What did Abraham do? He had to face the fact that this ain't going to work without God. This is not possible without him. And as they journeyed those 25 years, in fact, after 24 years in Genesis chapter 18, we read of a story where God visits Abraham and Sarah. There's three heavenly visitors. It's a very strange story where they come and they talk with Abraham. Verse 10, one of them says, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were very old and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself. I think most of us in this room, if we were approaching 100 and told we were going to have a baby in a year's time, would laugh to ourselves. Is that correct? We'd be like, what, really? Not a funny, ha-ha, good joke, as in, seriously? (laughs) That's not going to (laughs) happen. We've been, it's not, it's not going to happen. And so Sarah laughs to herself, but the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? <clears throat> you know, found out, yeah? She thought nobody could hear her. And, and, and uh, God says these words, is anything too hard for the Lord? Now, if we're totally honest, there are situations in life where we think, yes, this is too hard because it hasn't happened yet. Obviously, it's not going to happen. 
That's the words that we sometimes speak when we're in the gap between the promise and the fulfillment. Or is it just me? We know the Bible says it's anything too hard for the Lord, but in our hearts we're thinking this one might be. In our hearts we're thinking, we're laughing, thinking this is ridiculous. It's not going to work. Sarah was afraid and she said, I didn't laugh, but the Lord said, yes, <laughs> you did laugh. You see, does it make you laugh what God is up to, the plans that he has, the promises that he's made? I would suggest if, if it doesn't make you laugh, it's probably not God. I would suggest that if you can do it on your own, it's probably too small. You see, we map out things, don't we? We, we make it, we tell our kids, you've got to get your education, then you can get your good job. Friends, that's good and noble, but it's way too small. Are you listening? If you're raising your kids, don't make the job the end goal. Because God's got much more than what we can manage ourselves. Some of you are not sure what to do with that. Let me encourage you to talk to Jesus about it. You see, you've got to give your kids a vision for life. Not just to pass the exams, but beyond. If you can do it yourself, it's too small. Let's believe for things that are beyond ourselves, beyond our own organization. Maybe if you're not laughing, what about others? Are others laughing? You know, when Jairus went to Jesus and asked him to come and pray for his daughter who was very ill, it says in Luke chapter 8 that as they entered the house, the people were wailing and crying because they said that his daughter had died and there was such a commotion. And Jesus come in, comes in and he says, she's not dead, she's just sleeping. And the Bible says they laughed at him. They laughed at him. You see, Jesus had faith. He saw what God was going to do. But for everyone else, you must be kidding. That's not going to work. They laughed at him. Can I suggest that as we go towards God's plans, God, God's plan for your life is not something you don't like. Sometimes, sometimes if we think, I don't know if I can really give everything to God because he might get me doing something I don't want to do. <laughs> hey, that's a small idea of God. He's much bigger than that. You know what he does when we give our lives to him? He leads us towards things that are beyond what we can imagine. They're bigger than what we could do ourselves. So they require faith. They require faith. In Romans 4, as we read on in that passage, Abraham faced the facts. And then it says here, yet he, verse 20, he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. Can I encourage you, if you're between the promise and the fulfillment, if you're in that gap, continue in faith. Continue in faith. See, it's like this. When you get the promise, that's your reality. Correct? You receive a promise today, that's the reality that you're living in. That's what you can see, and you receive God's word. You receive God's promise for your situation. Now, the fulfillment of that promise, God's already there. That's his reality. So he's not only with you when he makes the promise, but he's already in the fulfillment of that word. So that's very real to him. There's no question about it for him because he's there, but he's also there. He's, in the, he's at the moment of promise, but he's also at the moment of fulfillment. And so our challenge is going from our present into our future, which is already God's present. So we're in the gap, and that's where faith kicks in. 
Hebrews 11 puts it like this. It says, faith is the confidence in what we hope for. You're in the middle, but you've got confidence in what you're hoping for. And it is the assurance of what you do not see. Because that's the problem, isn't it? We can't see it. If we could only see it, it would be easier to trust. But the thing is, we don't see, so we need to be in faith. The confidence and assurance. Another, another translation puts it like this. Faith is the substance. It's a real thing. Even though you're not there yet, it's a real thing. It is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Faith is simply trusting in God's character. Trusting in God's character. That's what faith is. It's simply to put your trust that God is who he is. That he, when he says something, he means it. You know, the more you get to know somebody, the more you understand what to expect from them. Is that right? So if you know somebody, and you, say, you, say you agree to meet somewhere at five o'clock. But for some people, you know, five o'clock means six o'clock. But your neighbor says, talking to you. Five o'clock sometimes looks like six o'clock, right? And then there are a few people, five o'clock means ten to five. Mind-blowing. Imagine that. Imagine being ten minutes early. There are some people like that. See, the more you get to know people, then you know what to expect from them, don't you? That's what faith is like. It's trusting God's character. What's he like? How does he do things? We trust his character. So when, well, I don't know about plan. Abraham and Sarah, this little child project here, wasn't just about them getting a family. It was to bless the nations. So the timing was God's timing. Now, 25 years, you could have an argument with God about that, and I think Abraham did, but it was God's timing. So have faith, continue in faith. You know, if you read in, the, in Hebrews chapter 11, you read about different people in the Bible, and they're like heroes of faith. And, and, and you read of Abraham, that's by faith he did this, by faith he obeyed God, by faith he lived as a foreigner in another land. Uh, read about Sarah, it says, by faith, by faith. She was unable to bear children because she considered him faithful who made the promise. Now, let me be real honest with you here. Sometimes you read those passages and you're thinking, these guys are way out of my league. They just have faith. They just trust God and it happens. Sometimes we read the scripture and we think, I'm not sure if I'm a superhero of biblical proportions like the people I'm reading about. I'm just being honest for you, okay? I think, and is this really possible? Can we really trust God in that way? You see, when you look deeper into the scripture, you realize they weren't that superheroes either. In fact, if you look in the book of Genesis, you'll see that Abraham received that promise in chapter 12, but he was plagued with doubt and failed attempts to see that promise happen. It says in chapter 12 that he then, when he went down into Egypt, that he was uh, scared and pretended that his wife was his sister. Don't do that, guys. Don't want to be in that conversation when they got home. Then, he, then God reminds him in chapter 13 that his offspring will be like the dust of the earth. But yet in chapter 15, he's still asking God, how will this be? How is this going to work? You see, you read in Hebrews that by faith, Abraham believed. 
But you read the story, it's a little bit messy. You read the story, it's not always working out. Then God makes a covenant with Abraham. He says, I'm committing myself to you. This is going to happen. Yet in chapter 16, Abraham and Sarah decide it would be a good idea if Abraham had a, had a child to Sarah's servant. Just to help God along a little bit, you know, when it's not working out. By the time we get to chapter 17, God talks to Abraham again. He says, you know what? Your wife's name is Sarah. You're going to call her Sarah. And she's going to be the mother of nations. And this is so ridiculous that Abraham starts laughing. The Bible says that Abraham laughed. Mother of nations, we can't even have one child. What are you talking about? You see, all this time, well, Romans 4 puts it like this, that Abraham, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. You know what's happening? In the gap, we are becoming fully persuaded. You thought that everybody was fully persuaded when they received the promise. But on the way to fulfillment, we are being fully persuaded. That's what it means to continue in faith. To become persuaded that God is able. That he will keep his word. So I want to encourage us not only to face the facts, not only to continue in faith, but to go from trying to trusting. Because time and time again, Abraham was trying to work this out, when actually all the while we need to grow in our trust of what God can do. You see, we don't need to strain to get more faith. It's not like if I pray harder, I'll get more faith. Faith is a gift. It comes from God. So we actually have to relax a little bit, receive as we get his perspective on what's going on. So let me give you four things very quickly here. We need to hear it. We need to receive God's word. What has God said? God will give you a word. When I was lying on my bed in Vienna 18 plus years ago, thinking, how's this going to work out? I had to go back to God and say, you said. You told us to do this. Now, it wasn't kind of like a a pointing finger, like an argument you're to blame, but it was reminding God, if you've said it, you will accomplish it. If there's been a promise, there will be a fulfillment. So I need to go back to his word, go back to what he has said. You know, God came to Abraham in Genesis 15, and he said to him, Abraham, you need to come out of your tent and look up at the stars and just check out what's going up there. You ever tried doing that? Look out at the stars. I know it's quite difficult here. There's too much light. Or helicopters or all kinds of things. But if you look up, you see the stars. He says, if you count them, you can't count them, it's too many. He says, that's what your offspring are going to be like. Now, God will give you vision. In the gap, he will give you a glimpse of what this fulfillment looks like. That will keep us, that will actually persuade us that he is able. So from trying to trust him, let's trust him, let's hear it, let's see it, let's get the vision that God has for us. And also we need to speak it. Now what do I mean? In 1 Corinthians chapter, 20, uh, sorry, chapter 1 and verse 20, we read these words. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. 
And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Now that sounds wonderfully poetic and and, uh, just absolutely wonderful, but what does it actually mean? Well, amen means yes. Amen is another way of saying, so be it. I agree. So it says here that the promises that God has made are yes in Christ. Because of what Christ has accomplished, his promises, God says yes. He says yes to all those promises. And then it says that we say yes to his yes. You hear what's saying? You see what's happening there? We need to agree with him about what he's up to. We need to speak it. So if the promises are yes in Christ, the amen comes from us. We join with his will. We say yes, amen. So in the gap, there is an amen to be spoken. It's not pretending you're in the fulfillment because you're not there yet. Sometimes we get confused. We think it's pretending. God's done it already. No, he hasn't. You're still there. If somebody tells you God's done it already, yeah, he's done it where he's living, but not where you're living. (laughs) You're right here in the gap. So you need to say yes to the yes that he's already spoken. Speak it. Give God your yes. And finally, live it. Now, I don't want to go into detail, but Abraham and Sarah, it wasn't an immaculate conception. They did actually have to have a child. So even though God was promising, they still had some work to do, which I won't go into now. But whatever promise that God has given you, there's work to be done. There's things to to, to continue in while you're in the gap. You see, if you're believing for God's provision, then you need to keep giving. You can't close your hands when you need to receive. You see, you need to continue towards that fulfillment. If you're believing the promises that God has spoken to you concerning your partner, maybe concerning your children, then in the gap, you need to keep loving. Amen? You need to keep loving. You can't just sit back and say, well, God said, I believe him. No, no, no. God said, because I believe him, I'm going to live it. I'm going to hear it. I'm going to see it. I'm going to speak it. And I'm going to live it. I'm going to remain living in what God has promised. You know the wonderful thing in this story of Abraham and Sarah in Genesis chapter 21? Their son, Isaac, is finally born. And you know Isaac means he laughs. He laughs. Sarah said, God has brought me laughter and everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. You know, I believe God will take your laughter of unbelief like Sarah. Remember, she couldn't believe it. She just laughed. So that's not possible. But I believe God can take our laughter of unbelief and bring us to a place where we're laughing at a fulfillment of his promise. Amen. I believe we've come to a place where there is such a joy in the fulfillment of what God has done. He laughs. So let me encourage us all today. Mind the gap. Mind the gap. The gap between the promise and the fulfillment of that promise. It can be a place where we can lose our way sometimes. It can be a place where we doubt, where we wonder if we really heard God right. If God is maybe like me, he he forgot about the ice cream, yeah? Sometimes we can feel like that. It's like, God, well, you've got more important things to do. You, you've forgotten. It's not happening. No, no, no. Face the facts. Continue in faith. And move from trying to trusting. Remember, faith is trusting in the character of God. And He's a good God. He's a good, 
He's a good God. As Abraham and I and Sarah were told, is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I'm going to pray a simple prayer as we, uh, as I close this message uh, right now. And you know, I want to include you if you want to in this prayer. I'm going to pray a prayer for those of you that know you're in the gap, but you know you need to say a yes to what God has said yes to. It's kind of like you've, you've not been sure, you've maybe lost a little bit of doubts crept in about if this really works. And today you want to stand and you say, I'm saying amen to the promises that are yes in Christ. So if that's you, I want you to stand with me and I'm going to say a prayer. Don't be shy if that's you, stand where you are. That's great. Now just you do business with God a minute. Before I say anything else, I've been doing a lot of talking, you've been doing a lot of listening. Why don't you just have, have, your, have your conversation in your heart with God right now. Say yes to Him. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Father God, we come before you now and we acknowledge we find ourselves in the gap between the promise and the fulfillment of that promise. And Lord God, from our hearts, we cry, amen. We say yes to that which you've already said yes to. And Lord God, where our doubt has crept in, where that doubt of laughter has crept in even, Lord God, we turn afresh to you today. We want to say we trust you and we invite you to teach us to trust you.